promises will hold together and i will dwell in the hope of your love forever i am convinced that your promises will hold together good morning and welcome to 1c would you please rise for our first song please bow your heads. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for today, for this chance to be together. And Lord, I ask that you calm our nerves, our anxiety, our fears, and let us place our trust in you. Lord, this morning we ask that you bless the message we're about to receive, the, message, the music we're about to play, the fellowship time together. And Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen.
seated. This is a time in the worship service we do what's called confession and forgiveness. And yet the song we just sang told the story, didn't it? There is a chasm between us and God because of sin. God decided to do something about it, something that we couldn't do ourselves, was to span the gap between sin and forgiveness in heaven. And he did it by sending his son. And Jesus did everything. He broke every chain. He, he did everything necessary so that we can have peace with God now and for eternity. How many of you think that's a really good thing? 
right? Isn't that good? So let's give him thanks for that good news. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you again that you came to this earth to do what we couldn't do. You uh, came to satisfy um, the wrath of God against sin. And your willingness to go to a cross and to die um, is beyond our comprehension. Why would somebody do it? But we know, Lord, by faith, it's because of your love for us. And so, Lord, as we confess our sin to you, as we lay that before you, we know that you did everything necessary so that we can have peace with our Heavenly Father and life with you forever. So thank you for uh, the grace and the mercy and the love. Thank you for the fact that we are changed. And thank you that we are, we are loved by you eternally. Thank you again, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't forget that good news. Because just as much as we could sing about it in church, the enemy wants to whisper into your ear and into your heart saying, you are helpless, you are hopeless, you are nothing. And that is not the truth. God loves you and me so much that he gave his only son. So remember that, ponder that, give thanks for that. Um, not just on what I call the sacred 60 when we come into church, but when you go out beyond these walls into your home, into your workplaces, into your schools, hold on to that good news because it is the difference between life and death. It is the difference between being helpless or what we think is hopeless to people that have hope in the resurrection of Jesus and our resurrection. Amen. All right, a couple quick announcements. Guests, we're glad you're with us in worship. Come back again. We'd love to have you be with us in worship. And uh, you could let yourself be known today by either stopping at Next Steps, which is in the family gathering area on the way out. We have a gift for you. Um, or you could text 1C guest to 94000, and that will connect you with us and us with you. Uh, secondly, if you have a prayer request today, something that is on your heart, you have a prayer of concern, if you have a prayer of thanksgiving, feel free to text to 402-242-5051, and we'll include those prayer requests in worship today. And then also, as we move a little bit uh, later into our worship service, we're going to be having Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. Here at 1C, we believe that it is a gift that God has given. And in this gift, it's, yes, bread and wine or juice, but it's also the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and to strengthen our faith. So if this is your belief, we encourage you to be a part of that with us. We'd love to celebrate with you. And if you did not receive the elements on the way in today, you can go uh, during the next song and pick up what you need in the family gathering area by the uh, kitchen window and then you could celebrate with us um, just a little bit later in the service. Again, may God continue to send his spirit among us as we worship him who loves us with an everlasting love. Every time I tried to make it on my own Every time I tried to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be I can see it then, but I can see it now. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been, See it. There was Jesus. 
Boys and girls, uh, when my daughter Romy came home from school one day, she challenged me to blowing up a garbage bag. She said that she could do it in one breath and asked if I could. Well, I figured if she could, I probably could. So I took the bag and I held it. I took a deep breath. That's not full, is it? So I tried again. And I couldn't do it. So she said she could. So I made sure I got all the air out of the bag. Make sure it was nice and flat. Handed it to her. And she said, okay, are you ready? I said, sure. She took the bag and she went. There you go. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? That is a lot more air than what I can hold in my lungs. That's a lot more air than what she can hold in her lungs. And then she explained to me that when you hold it up close to your mouth, only the air from your lungs goes in the bag. But if you hold it out of way, as the wind that you blow into the bag goes in the bag, it pulls more air along with it into the bag and fills it up. And there's some scientific principle for that. I don't know what it is, but isn't that really cool? And you know what? That's a lot like our lives. When we try to do things on our own, it doesn't always go as well. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to pull us along into what he's doing, we can, get, we can be a part of something a lot bigger and a lot better than we could ever do on our own. And God is at work all around us, doing things that we can't see, aren't aware of. But God wants to draw us in to what he's doing and into bigger and better things than we could ever do on our own. That's pretty cool. So boys and girls, you can try this at home. Get a kitchen garbage bag from your parents. Make sure it's a clean one. Goes a lot better. Um, and then moms and dads, you can actually talk about this with your kids at home too. How do you see God at work in your lives? What's he doing around you that's special? All right, boys and girls, will you fold your hands, bow your heads, and repeat after me as we pray? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in this world. Help us to join you in bigger and better things. Amen. Thank you, Greg.
couple months ago, uh, I, w- I don't know, probably three months ago, I was sitting down thinking about, okay, uh, what sermon series, what should we be talking about in church? And one of the things I often do is I'll take a look at um, the events that are happening in our world or our country or in our lives and what would be really important to talk about. And at that point, I was already feeling the angst of the election cycle. How many of you felt any angst or are you just tired of it, right? Well, I was anticipating this thinking, we're going to come up, come up on an election and half of the people are going to be happy and half are going to be not happy. All depending on whether your person got into office. And I was thinking, what is the one truth that can get us all through this? Then I thought about what's written on our, our money. In God we trust. And I wonder, and I'm going to say I'm, I'm a little guilty of this, sometimes I give a little bit too much emphasis to people on this earth. And not enough emphasis on the God of the universe. So I thought, okay, we'll do this in God we trust. And, and Randy, you, you did a great job last week as we talked about remembering where you come from, you know, our roots. And really, just don't forget this. You are a child of the Heavenly Father. He loves you so much that he'll never leave you or forsake you. He is attending to you today, just like he attended to you yesterday. And he's going to attend to you in the future. Is that good news? That's absolutely fantastic news. And then, uh, kind of spinning off what Greg said, um, this week we're going to talk about there's more where that came from. And I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but I'm going to say the originator of where it's coming from is going to make a big difference. And I'm going to give you two illustrations. One, you're going to probably shake your head and go, he's a pastor. And the other one, you're going to go, yeah, I can can get it. The first one is this. Here's an illustration. This is not the actual wall, but I asked Robert to find an old, dirty, steel, corrugated wall. And so you'll find that that's what this is. And uh, when I was in high school, some of you know that I I wasn't always a good boy. I I lived on on the edge a little bit. And I would go to County Stadium. Anybody know what County Stadium is? Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the home of the Milwaukee Brewers at the time. And it was in the 70s, and I would go to a game, and I would do things I shouldn't be doing, and then it would cause me to do things I shouldn't be doing, if you know what I mean without saying it. So I'd be there with a a group of uh, my friends, and there'd be another group. And wanting to be macho, if they looked at us cross-eyed, I'm like, I'm ready, bring it on. So I would go up to the corrugated steel wall, and I would start pounding it. Boom, boom, boom. And my hands would get bloody, my hands would get bruised. And then I would turn to them and say, there's more where that came from. More stupidity where that came from? I think I was hoping that they would think I was some kind of macho dude. They're probably thinking, what an idiot. Who's going to hit an inanimate object like a steel wall? But that was me. So the originator of that comment would make you go, oh, my goodness. I don't want any of that. Here's another one, maybe one that you can resonate with. My mother, Joanne, she's up in heaven. Remember I tell you that she is four foot eight on a good day. Then she wears a bun to try to get to be five foot. Um, She was a combination Norwegian and a Sicilian. What a combination. Lutheran and a Catholic together got, they actually eloped. Uh, But one of the things that I will never forget is my mom made the best spaghetti sauce ever. And I would challenge anyone to ever even try. And I'm, you know, you're just not going to, Sicilian spaghetti sauce, there's nothing like it if you've never had it. It's a unique flavor and, and, and fantastic. So if you would just picture the Thielen sitting around, we're all eating, and I don't know if she ever said the phrase, but, you know, after we're all eating, she says, there's more where that came from. Isn't that, that's kind of neat. The other one, not so neat. So the originator who says those words 
it makes a difference. Big difference. And that's where we're going to go today. And we're going to go um, look at this phrase in many different aspects. But we're going to look at it in light of Ephesians chapter 3. And I'll just, a little backdrop, Paul, who used to be Saul. Remember when we did the book of Acts? He had this conversion. He met Jesus and his life was turned upside down. He is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. He is trying to encourage them in their faith and in their life. And he does so by saying these words. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. And I'm going to stop there. At the seminary when I was um, studying to be a pastor, and we would look at Paul's letters, the professor would say, gentlemen, Paul is the most difficult writer of the New Testament to translate because his heart dictates everything. It's like he is so excited. He doesn't care about sentence structure. He doesn't care about much of anything. He just wants to get this out there. And he puts together three compound words to make a point. And so this far more abundantly is, is kind of like one Greek word, but he takes all these words, puts them together to try to get the attention of the reader. So far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So you can, you can feel the intensity. You can, you can sense that Paul has a message that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He is doing his thing. But the word I want you to pause today on is the word imagine. Some translations will have the word think. That's what they'll say. To all that we ask or think. I don't think that captures the essence of the excitement of what he's trying to get at. Because when you think, sometimes thinking is just a perfunctuary action. Well, I'm going to think about something. Imagine is something different. In fact, I came across a, um, a quote. People who live imaginative lives are what-if people. So if I can connect it with the Bible verse, people who pause and remember and reflect and imagine God will see things and experience things that are so different. What-if people are different than what-is people. Right? I think we need a little bit of both. You know, we need to know what is. Like, I'm standing on a stage, and I know that's what it is. But do you ever wonder what it could be? What it could be used for? What? And that's how God works. And, and just think about how he dialed up this world. God's thinking, what if I make a universe? What if I... Remember this, in the, in the Genesis, we're told that there was nothing here. There was nothing. The, the Hebrew word is nihil. There was nothing. And God had an idea. What if I create the universe by speaking it into being? Pretty cool, right? But it didn't end there. What if I make man in my own, own image? Not just in any image, but my own image. They're going to be, in a sense, the essence of who I am. Pretty cool. It doesn't end there. What if when they sin, I do not give up on them? What if when they sin, I pursue them with an everlasting love? We have a what if God. And then what he did is as he was pursuing humanity, because remember, sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, and God said, if you do this, you're going to die. God didn't really want that, but that was the consequence. He planted in the minds and the hearts of his people the what-if attitude. Right? Think about it. Let's go through a, a list of some of them. What if Abraham? Now, God goes up to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to go travel. I want you to go to the west, and I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go. But take a look up in the, the sky. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And get this, Abraham, get this. What if through you 
all people will be blessed. What if? And we, we ultimately find out that it's through Abraham and that lineage that the Messiah is going to come. That's the ultimate blessing. Then we get to um, what if with Moses. So the children of Israel get into a, a, a predicament. And I'm not going to give you the whole story behind it, but they end up being in Egypt. They are now slaves of Pharaoh. And he's making life miserable. And they're already feeling forsaken, forgotten. They're wondering, you know, God, where are you? But God's thinking, what if? Hey, what if, Moses, you you listen to my calling in your life. What if, Moses, you listen and you go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go? What if? And then we hear about the ten plagues, right? And finally, Pharaoh says, go. And then the children of Israel start their process from bondage and really a sense of desert, I mean, deserted world um, to this land of flowing with milk and honey. So they're on their way. So God, again, planted the idea, what if, in Moses. Then we get to David. What if, David, yes, you're the youngest in the family, yes, you're the runt of the family, but what if you stood up against Goliath? And you've got to remember, Goliath is no little thing. It's, he's a big giant. What if you stood up against him? And he did, and we know the story. I mean, he didn't have anything he was wearing. He didn't have any um, weapons except for this little slingshot and a couple stones. What if? Wow. And then he ends up being, what if you're going to be a man after my own heart? David, what if you lead my people as if I would lead them? And then we find... Again, ultimately, through David and that lineage, the promise of the Messiah. What if? What if? And I'll just give you one. There's so many other ones. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I don't know a lot of people that name their kids that, but you could. They were remarkable people. What if instead of bowing down to a king or bowing down to whatever you want to put at the end of the sentence, what if you stay faithful to the one true God even in a fiery furnace? What if? Pretty awesome, huh? What if? And then we'll just jump to the ultimate. What if Jesus, God himself, the full deity of God being put into a little baby? What if? What if we put flesh and lived among the people? What if that happened? And that Jesus did. It's not just a what if, it is. It's what happened 2,000 years ago. And then this Jesus walked on the face of the earth for 33 and a half years. And he was, he was doing some fantastic things, yes, but he was teaching a very important truth about the kingdom. Not the earthly kingdom, but the kingdom of God. So what if Jesus, in his actions, in his words, as he interacted with people, what if he taught some things that maybe today are even perplexing in life? What about the last being first? Or how about the least being the greatest? Or the weak becoming strong? Or the marginalized, the people that are kind of put off over here, feeling loved and valued? What about outsiders? getting to be insiders. And what if people start understanding when you die to yourself, you're brought to life? What if somebody like that lived on this earth, taught these principles, and had people begin to understand that there is a what-if God who has great possibilities for you and for me? Do you get it? You understand? If you do, would you please write a book? Because I'm going to tell you, there is a big distance between the infinite God, who has no beginning, no end, no limit to power, 
no limit to love, okay, and finite people like you and me. So we get a glimpse about this much of it, about this what if God. And that's pretty awesome, just this, right? Can you imagine when we get to heaven and we get to see this? Well, the story of what if continues. I mean, even I think about the Apostle Paul. His passion, his love for God and for others moved him to have these three very significant missionary journeys as we look into the book of Acts. We see it. And people marvel today at all that he accomplished in his life on this earth. He traveled and spoke to so many people and planted churches and and taught about Jesus. And, And people still go like this, how did he do it? He did not have mass transit. He didn't have a, a, a private personal jet he could hop onto and go from Ephesus to Galatia to... He didn't have that, but he had this what-if attitude. And I also believe that the what-if attitude was here. For those of you that maybe don't know the story, we'll just say 14-some years ago, there was this what-if What if there's a new church in Columbus area? What if this church is to reach out to the unchurched, the de-churched, the people who are finding church irrelevant, maybe not meaningful? What if we do that? And, And you're here as a result of, first off, God's grace and mercy and God's what if, but also a group of people that bought into the what if attitude. What if we do this? What if we leave a church that we're familiar with, a church where my family's at, and, and start something new and leave all of that? I mean, I don't underestimate what was gone through emotionally and physically by a group of people. What if? And um, I, I'm thankful for a whole host of people who have said, you know what? The gospel is that important. The gospel is that is worth that big of a risk. So think of the people we've talked about so far. Abraham, Moses, David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Paul. You know, we, here's a group here. I believe that there are pivotal moments in the life of a Christian that will cause us to be what-if people or not. And I'm going to share with you just a couple um, contrasting words. And I'm going to ask that God's Spirit would speak to you as he is speaking to me. Because it's not always easy. I mean, the first one. Do we live our lives as if we've been entrusted? Or do we live our lives like we're entitled? What does it look like? And I'm going to just say this in general, right? At times, there are certain generations that seem like they live like they're entitled. Just because I have a breath. I mean, I'll tell you, I lived like I was entitled. I got to be 16. You know what I expected? A car to drive. I didn't look at it as something that's going to be entrusted to me. It's something I'm entitled to. I hit that magic 16 thing. Mom, Dad. So I got to drive a... 1974 Caprice Classic with a 454 engine. Mistake by my parents. But I I was living as if I was entitled. I, I, I deserved that. Even at the inconvenience of my mom or my dad. Can you imagine if I would start when I was 16, learn that I'm entrusted, I am blessed, I am gifted, not because of who I am, but because of who God is. Really big difference, folks. And I believe that the more entrusted we see ourselves, it's going to shift the way we live our life and maybe be a little bit more what if than ever before. How about this one? Relationship or reluctance. And I'm going to go to the children of Israel, but it's really representative of me. It's also representative of you. There were many times in the journey from Egypt to the promised land, there was a reluctance of God's people to honor the relationship. 
It was all about them. Going back to the entitled thing. We're the children, we're the children of God. We, we should be treated much better than being in the desert for all these years. And so there was a reluctance to listen to God rather than remembering, wow, this relationship, this is more important than anything. And I believe that once we start seeing it that way, that this relationship and in this God we trust, when that becomes our heartbeat, we're going to be more what-if people. Thirdly, obedient or optional? Maybe I don't have to say too much about that. But when we understand the God of the universe, powerful and infinite and wise, and, and when we're obedient to his word, rather than viewing it as an option, how am I feeling about it today? God, you tell me to love my neighbors, but my neighbors are of a different political party. Right? And I think it's optional. I'm not going to love that kind of person. Rather than being obedient, love your neighbor. Fourth, multiply or maintain. When you look at the life of Paul, 2,000 years ago in particular, it was all about this. It was all about expanding the kingdom of God, having more and more people know Jesus so that they can, well, love him and be with him for eternity. So it was in the heartbeat, it was in the DNA, it, it caused him to be a what-if kind of person versus, I want to maintain what I have. I want to maintain what's comfortable to me. Or how about those... Uh, I'll call them the first followers, the, the launch team as we call it also. What if they said, you know what, I'm really liking where I'm at. I just want to maintain this. Where would we be today? Still blessed by God because we trust in him, but we are blessed because people started seeing this and understanding, yeah, it, it's about the kingdom of God. It's about, and I'll just say this, when we follow this side right here, things get turned upside down. It's contrary to the way the world is. It's contrary to the way my old Adam's sinful nature is. And it gets turned upside down. And then you're going to see what happens when it's turned upside down. In yellow, more. We will live a more life. We're going to get glimpses more and more of this abundant God who is far more exceedingly um, above what we comprehend or even can imagine. In fact, when we go back to this, just look at that again. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I really believe that when we when God does his thing and he turns our life upside down, it will be more. And here's where I want to take you to one last passage. Context, Lazarus died. Mary and Martha are really upset. They're grieving. They're hurting. I mean, they wanted Jesus to come right away and it seems as if he was being a little lackadaisical. And their grief got the best of them. But then they got into this conversation, and this is a very important moment where Jesus is talking to Martha. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And this is a, I'm going to say this is a personal question we have to answer. Do you believe this? Because I truly believe that what Jesus is getting at with Martha and Mary and Lazarus and this whole story is that when we, when we are what-if people, when we are more people, when we start seeing the God of the universe loving people like you and me, we understand that death isn't a reality we have. We kind of skip death. Because when we take our last breath on earth, what happens? Yeah, glories of heaven. Then we're going to see the abundance of God's grace and mercy. Right now, we just see a little bit. 
but I don't want you to think that you have to wait for your last breath. Let me walk you through what I mean. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. In, in ministry, and I'll just say, my guess, you get to see this too. There are people who are experiencing the effect of sin and this thing called death. Sometimes it's a physical ailment, like we're dealing with in, in my household. Sometimes it's a financial death. You're just feeling like you're underneath everything and you feel like you just cannot hold it up anymore. Maybe it's a relationship death. You're trying your hardest to keep everything together and the person says they don't love you anymore and you just, I mean, everything is kind of unraveling. I want you to believe in the words of Jesus. Even though it may feel like death, even though it hurts you will live. And it's not just a cliche, oh, you'll live through it. It's not just that. It's much more than that. It's the God who says, I'm going to give you a peace. I'm going to give you a joy. I'm going to give you life because of all that I did for you. So my challenge, and just so you know, this is part, so it's in God we trust. Last week was Remember who you belong to. This week is, there's more where that came from. And last night at 1 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep. There's going to be a part two to this next week. Because I think it's really important what God is trying to teach me. And I want to share with you what I think he's trying to teach me. So, hang on to John chapter 11 for dear life. And know that what he began, he will complete because of his love for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. And you have created in us a whole lot of reasons to give you thanks. There are some here this morning whose hearts are filled with gratitude. There's been victory. There's been success. There's been the relief from burdens carried for a long time and there are others here whose hearts and minds are heavy and they need your touch and then there's the prayers that have come through and they're printed and Jesus we bring those to you this morning hear us as we pray a prayer that God will protect our nation that he will turn our hearts to himself. Prayers for our SOS family, past and present, to find peace and strength on our journey to recovery. A prayer for a daughter, for healing and for love. She had to say goodbye to her best friend yesterday. Oh, Lord, what sorrow. Walk with this young person. Prayers of hope and healing to all those affected by COVID, that they experience the healing hand of Jesus. Lord, we bring to you a gentleman by the name of Kent. He is COVID positive, and he's struggling. He is up and down between being comfortable and not being able to breathe. Your presence can carry him through this valley. We are praying for a wife, Donna, who has suffered a stroke, and for our family as we go through a very tough time. God, will you bring blessing to Donna and to this family. And Jesus, a prayer for Dan Sliva, who is fighting COVID. His oxygen levels are down, they're getting low. Pray that Jesus gives him a healing touch and pray for the doctors to treat him correctly. We know that you have heard these prayers and all the ones that are in the room today, not spoken or written down because you pay attention to every detail, every nuance, 
of our lives. Thank you for that. And so we conclude with the prayer that you gave us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Are you ready for a celebration meal? Because that's what this is. This is a meal given out of love and to be received by faith. It is a victory meal. It is a reminder that he is with us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you first the words of Scripture where Jesus gives this gift, and then after that I will invite you to take the elements individually. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and after he'd given thanks... He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of God be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread and take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. Then if you would, take the wine or the juice and take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. pray. Lord Jesus, you said it yourself, you are the resurrection and the life. And we thank you that in this meal, we uh, get a foretaste of the feast to come that will be in heaven. But until that moment, may your love and grace and mercy empower us to live as what if people believing that you're a God who has an abundance of grace and mercy. And we pray that we would be changed and empowered so that we would live as children of the Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain so I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown despised by the world as a wondrous attraction for me for the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark cavalry so I'll cheer My trophies at last I lay down 
but a goodie, right? We hold on to that cross because that's our reminder of how much God loves us. Uh, if you are a veteran, would you please stand? I think we know what to do, right? We cannot say thank you enough for your service, so that we can be blessed. And again, we are blessed as a country and as people who make up this country because of God using you. So thank you. A couple quick announcements just to, uh, to make uh, Thanksgiving. Don't forget, it's coming around the corner. Opportunities galore. Number one, pray. Because as a church, uh, we want to be a blessing to our community. So we have this Thanksgiving meal, this dinner. And with COVID happening, we are uh, the word in church, it's called pivoting. And I know that in farm world, you, you have these pivot things that kind of go around, right? I'm learning, right, Brian? Uh, yeah, we have to pivot. So we're not going to have anything in-house for dinner, but we are going to have either delivery or like a drive-through pickup curbside. More information is going to be coming your way. So would you please pray about that on a couple fronts? Number one, that people would be blessed. Number two, if you would like to serve, I mean, we'll, we need delivery people. We need um, people to be available for the curbside and just lots of different things. So please, if you can help, let us know. We want to bless as many people as possible. Also, if you would like to have a meal, let us know. If you know of people in your circle of influence that would be blessed by a meal, please let them know. Encourage them to call the church office and we'll make sure we let you um, and them know how to do it, okay? Uh, Advent by candlelight. One of our women's ministries um, things here, um, it's going to be uh, Sunday, December 6th, 3 p.m. 
And if you would, if you would like to come and be a part of this, you can go on Planning Center or you can call the church office and we will get you the information that you need so you can be a part of that. Great. Yes. Um, exploration meets on Wednesday evenings. Um, and we're monitoring the situation, like Pastor said, being ready to pivot and make changes as needed. This week, the preschool kindergarten group will not be meeting in person. We're looking at possibly shifting everything online. But be on the lookout for Facebook announcements, for emails. Um, our website has information as well. Um, but wanted to share a resource with you, um, parents and families of little ones. This is my favorite um, kids' Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you'd like to take a look at it, stop by Next Steps and see me. Um, it's not just for little kids. I actually miss my kids outgrowing this age. I miss reading this with them. Um, parents, you'll get a lot out of it too. Great book, uh, version of the, the Bible, kids' Bible, for families to read together. Good. Thank you. And just a reminder, try to pay attention to our website, emails, and things that come your way. Because as COVID is moving and doing different things, we may be pivoting. Um, but pay close attention. And maybe even pay close attention while you're here today. On your way out, there might be people who would say, you know, I want that six feet or ten feet distance. So just try to be very sensitive to what's going on uh, so that we can provide a very safe place for you to come and worship. All right, let's stand. I want to share with you the blessing from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Sunday, everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice in the glad it is. Today is the day.